0: Good morning, church. Happy Sabbath. Crosswalk 20 is going to be super awesome. We've got a lot of fun stuff planned for that. And like Tim said, we're going to have some special guests from the past. It's going to be amazing. So if you're around, uh, come through. If you're not around, cancel those plans. Come through. It's going to be great. Happy Sabbath. Uh, how many of you guys are freezing right now? It's like so cold in here. And I'm just like not used to it because if you're over, I'm over in the building over here. We got an AC. Uh, unit, which has been amazing because it's been so hot, but it never gets to this sub, you know, atomic cold temperature. It's just so cold in here. Um, But we're grateful for it because it's so hot outside. Uh, But welcome to church. We're happy that you guys are here. I have some exciting news to share with you guys. So uh, I got engaged earlier this year. Um, Yeah, thank you. Thank you to... This is an amazing woman. Her name is Emily Paul, or Emily Pallu. I was gonna say Paul Amaris, not yet. Uh, but one week from today, we are gonna be getting married, which is so exciting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In fact, here is a nice photo that we can look at of us. This is our engagement photo. Yeah, we look so cute. Um, We're going to get married. It's just so crazy to think about. She is so awesome. She's going to be here later today. And so if you see her, uh, feel free to say hi. She'd love to meet you. But we're just so excited. Uh, And I thought, since I'm getting married next week, it might be nice to share with everybody the story of how we met. So if we go back to 2019, I was finishing up my degree at La Sierra. And every day I was frequenting this coffee shop uh, local to Riverside. And it still is our favorite coffee shop. And uh, every day I would go to this coffee shop and I would see Emily. I didn't know her name yet, but I would see her there all the time. She was always working and she was just definitely the life of the party. Like she just lit up the room. She was always cracking jokes with everybody. She seemed to know everyone. And you could just tell that she brought such a fun energy to the coffee shop and now, she was amazing. She is amazing. I am, it's, you know, I'm very introverted. I was very introverted back then. And so I would see her all the time. But because I'm very quiet, which maybe some of you guys think I'm extroverted, I am very introverted. I love to be quiet. I love to observe. I'd like to be in the corner. That's, that's definitely my personality. Um, so when I would go to the coffee shop, I would love to be there, but nobody really knew who I was yet. And uh, in contrast, Emily... Everybody knew her, she was so loud, and I was very quiet in the corner. And I would always want to say hi to her, actually, but I was very shy. And so I never would. Until finally, one day, uh, a mutual friend of ours was sitting with Emily, and I needed to charge my laptop. And it just so happened that they were at the table with the, the, the charger. And so I had my opportunity to go and sit down with them. And so I sat down. And my friend actually ended up leaving, and all of a sudden, it was just me and Emily. And I was very awkward, and I didn't know what to say. Um, but how any great relationship starts, it started off with Emily making fun of me, which was so, it was just, it, it fits so well. So at the time, what I loved, I loved to skate, and I still love skating. I'm not as much of a skater now, but back in the day, I loved skating, and uh, Emily knew about this meme account on Instagram called Tiny Hat Skate Life. And it essentially made memes about skaters. And what was so crazy was that every meme about what skaters said and how they dressed and how they talked to people was case in point me. And so the first part of our friendship was us, like her making fun of me for being a skater, which was amazing it was so cute. But this kicked off our relationship, and uh, we spent that summer hanging out every single day. We would go out and get pizza every single day, and it was an amazing summer. And we were great friends. And I got to a point where I really wanted to ask her to be my girlfriend. And so I built up the courage. And you know, it was this nice, perfect evening. We're on the roof of her house. We have pizza. It's like the perfect sunset. I'm like, this is the moment. And so you know, I tell her like, Hey, um, we've been friends for quite a while now and I can tell that you like me and I like you and I just want to go out on a limb here and I want to ask you to be my girlfriend and she goes no <laughs> which was not what I was expecting to hear and I was like oh okay why and she's like just not yet we're not there yet and I'm like okay fine whatever pretty devastated but worked through it and uh, kept hanging out, kept, kept just being friends until finally I had another opportunity to ask her to be my girlfriend because I felt like it was perfect to set the scene. We're out in Palm Springs. We had just had dinner. We're all hanging out and we're under the stars. And I'm like, man, what pre- better place to ask her to be my girlfriend than right now under the stars with this perfect weather. Um, and so again, I'm like, Emily, I know that, A couple months ago, we weren't ready, but I feel like we've grown so much, and and I just feel like it's time. Will you be my girlfriend? And she goes, no. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Like, truly shocked and surprised. And she's like, almost, almost, just just not yet. And so I ended up going on a trip to Europe. It was a, a family trip. We went and hung out. And I got back, and I liked her so much. But I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna. I feel like when the moment arises, the moment will arise. And to my surprise, I get home, and she asked me to be her girlfriend, boyfriend. She asked me to be her boyfriend. There you go, let me get that right. She asked me to be her boyfriend, and I was shocked. And and so I answered, and I was like, no. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, I did not say that. I said, yes, please, thank goodness, finally, and I was so happy. and that was four years ago, that was 2019. That was August of 2019. And now four years later, we are a week away from our wedding and I could not be more excited. Now, there's a couple of things I've learned about relationships in these four years. Um, I've learned that with Emily, if I wanna take her out on a date, it, that doesn't mean I'm gonna take her out to skate and eat pizza. Like for a season of our life, that was definitely the date, right? Like that summer we met, we would go to Blaze Pizza, we'd go to T Street down in Riverside, we'd go skate there, and and that was a perfect date. Four years later, I've learned that that is definitely not the ideal date for Emily. Like an ideal date for Emily is we go out to Newport and we go to John and Vinny's and then Uh, Or We go to Mama D's and then we go to the beach and we watch the sunset and we talk and we share our feelings. Like this is the ideal date for Emily. I've learned that. Another thing I've learned is like if Emily has had a bad day and she's telling me about her day, she's not asking me to tell her how to fix her day and, and how to fix what went wrong. What she's looking for is for me to be present with her and say, yeah, that sucks, Be in it with her. I've learned a little bit about being in relationship with Emily. Now, we're about to embark on a new journey now, marriage. And I'm sure that's going to come with a ton of new learning. I already know that there's so much that we're going to go through and so much that we're going to experience. And I'm excited for that. But in light of this, in light of the new marriage that we're about to embark on, in light of our relationship today, I want to talk about how to be in relationship with Jesus. Now, we just went through a five-week Uh, deconstruction series. It really was on reconstruction. In total, we've done 10 weeks this year on deconstruction and reconstruction. And my hope for you is that you found comfort in knowing that it's okay to have questions. It's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to not have all of the beliefs set. But on the other side of that, I want us to center ourselves in something very simple and something very profound, and that's how to be in relationship with Jesus. And to start off, I want us to read a very awesome portion of scripture. We're in Matthew chapter 11 today, uh, and it says this. this, "Is the words of Jesus. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. "O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. And for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me, and no one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, let's give some context to this portion of Scripture. This is Matthew chapter 11. What's happened so far in this chapter is the disciples of John have approached Jesus and they've asked him if he is the Messiah. And so Jesus responds by saying or telling them the things that he's done. He's gone out and he's healed the blind. He's healed the lame. He's uh, preached the gospel. He's shared the good news. And he begins to teach them that he is the Messiah through the things that he's done. And Jesus continues, and he goes out into different towns throughout the area, and he begins to preach and heal and perform miracles in these towns. But what ends up happening is in the towns that Jesus is performing these miracles in, some people are rejecting him. They're not believing in him. And at some points, they're actually kicking him out of their towns. And to this, Jesus gives some of maybe the harshest words we hear. He says, it will be better for the city of Sodom on the day of judgment than for these towns who have rejected me. It's one of those verses that we don't put in our Instagram bio. In fact, if this verse is in someone's Instagram bio, chances are they're a little strange, right? But these are words from Jesus and he shares that, but then he continues and he gets into what we just read and he shares two groups of people And one of these groups of people, God reveals himself to. And the other group of people, Jesus actually says God hides himself. And so let's start off with the group that Jesus starts off with. the group that Jesus hides himself from. Jesus says that he hides himself from those who think that they're wise and clever. Now, the word for wisdom here, the word for wise here is Sophia, which is the Greek word for wisdom. It it describes someone who has been taught, who is... uh, able to read and write, someone who has discernment. And what's important to note first is that wisdom is very important. In fact, there's whole books of the Bible about wisdom. Read Proverbs, Psalms, Song of Solomon. All these books are about wisdom. And what we need to understand is that wisdom is essential, that we are called to be wise people. We're called to have discernment. But here, Jesus isn't talking about people who are wise in fact, he qualifies it. He's talking about people who think that they're wise. You see, there's a huge difference between people who are wise and people who think that they're wise. You see, a person who thinks that they're wise is always trying to prove to you that they know more. Like, you, you ever met this person? Like, you bring up a topic and they have to prove to you that they know everything about that topic? Or, or, or anytime they're bringing up a subject, for some reason it comes back to how much They know. Often the people who think that they're wise are often the people who are the most about themselves. Everything seems to revolve around them. It's all about how much they know. If we're talking to this person, it's often, when we talk to this person, it's often exhausting. Because the conversation is always about them. You see, I think Jesus is actually calling out the people who make everything about themselves. It's about their thoughts. It's about how much they know. It's about what they're able to do. And what we're seeing is that these people don't hear from God. Now, a lot of scholars, when they read this, they actually believe that Jesus is referring to the Jewish theologians of the day, um, a.k.a. the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were a very important part of Jewish life. And when we read it from 2023, we're very quick to say uh, the Pharisees got it wrong and that they're bad. And to a certain degree, they are. Like Jesus many times calls them out. But let's examine for a moment what a Pharisee was. A Pharisee was actually an everyday theologian for the Jewish community. They were people who studied the Torah. They knew the law, but they also worked everyday jobs. Now what's evident about, the, uh, or what we know about this time is that for certain Jewish people to su- just simply live and make a living to survive, they had to take on jobs that made them unclean just to live. It's not that they were looking to be unclean. It's not that they're looking to be unholy, but just to survive, they had to take on certain jobs that made them unholy, that made them unclean. And so The work of the Pharisee was much like the work of a pastor. They were in the lives of the local people, teaching them about Scripture and creating ways for them to stay holy and stay righteous in their everyday life. And so the Pharisee was actually a very important and essential part of Jewish life. Yet what we see time and time again is that the Pharisees seem to focus on the wrong things their knowledge and their power and their righteousness became what was most important to them. And we see Jesus call them out. He talks about the people who pray in the streets, but they pray loud so that everybody could see how holy they are. Or the people who, or the Pharisees who were fasting and they want everybody to know how holy they are so they they get all painful and they, you know, do the whole dramatic thing about, you know, they're hungry and they're in pain and They're doing that not because they're trying to glorify God, but because they're trying to get attention. It's about them. And so Jesus calls out the religious people of the day, the Pharisees, the people who are self-centered, and he gives them a challenge. He says the people that God hides himself are the people who think that they're wise. Now, here's the challenge to us. Maybe the reason some of us aren't hearing from God isn't so much that he's not speaking. And I think Jesus is speaking hyperbole because right before this, we read about Jesus saying that it'll be better for the town of Sodom on the day of judgment than for these towns. Nobody will make it. But we know that there's certain people in scripture that are from these towns. So Jesus speaks in hyperbole. Um, So Jesus says, that the ones that he hides himself from are the people who focus on themselves. But maybe another way we can look at it is if God was speaking to us, would we even listen? If we're so focused on ourselves and what we think and what we're going through and about us, truly, we may not even hear him, not because he's not speaking, but because we're not listening. I mean, think about a relationship. Have you ever been in a relationship where it was all about the other person? That's called a toxic relationship when it's all about the other person's feelings and what the other person is going through and what what they think and what they like and what they need. And a relationship is is a two-way street. Yet maybe the reason some of us don't hear from God isn't because he's not speaking, but rather because we're so focused on ourselves. You see, this is a challenge to all of us. Perhaps the reason we don't hear from God is because we're not listening. We're making it about us. Yet Jesus contrasts this group of people. There's those who think that they're wise, the people, it's all about them. It's about what we go through. It's about what I'm going through. He contrasts this group of people with the childlike. Now, this is very interesting of Jesus to say. The Greek word for childlike or children here is nepios, which in context is referring to metaphorically childish people who are unlearned, who are untaught, who are unskilled, and he's saying the ones that he reveals himself to are the childlike. Here's something interesting about children. Children aren't selfish in the way that adults are selfish. I mean, children could be selfish for sure. Like you get a really special toy and in front of a ton of kids, like there's going to be issues probably, right? But children don't yet have the same kind of selfishness that adults have. You see, when when a child learns about skating for the first time, like let's talk about my life, when I first saw skateboarding, my first thought wasn't like, I wanna do this so that all my friends at school, why wasn't in school yet when I learned about it? but My thought wasn't, I wanna do this so that everybody could see how cool I was. No, my thought process was, I wanna do this because this looks amazing. Like this looks so cool. I mean, think about giving ice cream to a child for the first time right? It's not because like ice, they know ice cream is the best thing yet. It's because they've experienced it. They're like, man, this is amazing. I want more. When we look at children, we don't see selfish people yet. We see children with this, this wonder about life, this desire to experience new things, not for selfish gain, but because they found something good. Another thing that we learn about children is that they process things very different than we do today. Children just wanna know things. They just wanna be a part of things. They're not looking to, to gain more or to be more. They're looking just to be an experience. And here's a challenge to us. The challenge and the invitation for us is to find that childlike wonder once again. And here's what I really think that is. And here's the good news. Some of us may struggle sometimes with thinking that we have to have it all together, that we have to have all the right Bible verses memorized, we have to have the right lifestyle down pat, church every Saturday, devotional every morning. These are all good things that I think we should have, but sometimes we have this idea that until we have that, we're not in true relationship with God. But here, Jesus is saying the one that he reveals himself to, the one he's in relationship with, are the childlike. You know who... Who probably doesn't have it together the most in our society? Children. Children don't know how to you know, make themselves food yet. Children don't know how to drive and go to work and make money. They're not expected to Yeah, but they also don't have it all together. Here's the good news for us. Do you feel like you don't have it all together? Do you feel like you're struggling and you don't have all the answers, but you have this desire to be with Jesus? Here's the good news. Jesus reveals himself to the childlike. In this portion of scripture, we get a challenge and an invitation. The challenge is think about ourselves less. That's a hard thing to do, but it's an okay thing to do. It's okay if we're not the center of our universe. The challenge is think about ourselves less. The invitation is to experience life in a childlike wonder once again, knowing we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have all the answers, and we could still know that Jesus is present and in relationship with us. This is good news. Jesus continues, and he gets into one of the sweetest portions of scriptures. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. These are sweet words from Jesus, some of the sweetest. Put this one in your Instagram bio, for real. I love that Jesus begins by asking, Are you weary? Are you brokenhearted? Are you tired? Because truly, that is where many of us are in life, especially. I would say, especially for those of us who struggle with not making ourselves the center of the universe, often the people who have to make it all about themselves are the people that are the most tired. Yet Jesus asks the question, are you weary? Are you brokenhearted? Are you tired? Are you burnt out? If so, I have rest for you. And so the invitation continues. He gives us a new way of processing life. And so I want to ask you, are you tired? Are you weary from this week? Are you feeling brokenhearted from what's going on in your life? Well, I have good news. When we go to Jesus, he has rest for us. Now, here's something peculiar that Jesus does. When he talks about rest, he uses the imagery of work. Now, a yoke is a machine. It's a, it's a piece of work. Of, of, of equipment that you put on a bull or, or a horse or something, and you use this equipment to till fields. And so Jesus is teaching about rest, and he gives people the imagery of work, which sounds so counterintuitive. Like, I think back to when I was young, uh, and, and, and I remember one time, my uh, I had a curfew in high school, like we all do. Um, and like, probably all do, uh, we have blown past that curfew. I remember coming home like 30, 40 minutes late past curfew. My mom and dad are calling me. I know I'm late, but I'm driving home and I get home and, you know, just like in the movies, dad is there under the lamp, like legs crossed, waiting for me. Um, <laughs> and I know that I'm in trouble. Um, but when I would get in trouble growing up, often what my dad would do is he would, uh, he would have me do extra yard work. And I remember this particular time, uh, my dad was putting in new grass in the backyard. And so the next day, this was Saturday night night, Sunday morning, uh, a crew of people were gonna come and install the grass in the backyard. And so they came the next morning with rolls of grass and my dad had me out there and he had me working all day. It was truly, it was like 8 a.m. until like 4 or 5 p.m. And I'm out there trying to get all this grass straight and planted in, and I'm doing all this work. And in the morning, I was just like, why am I doing this? Like, this sucks. Like, it wasn't that big a deal. It was 30 minutes. And for some reason, as the day went on, though, it wasn't that I was, like, enjoying the work that I was doing, but something inside of me began to shift. And all of a sudden, on the other end of that, I felt accomplished. And I felt this desire to to be structured and to, to be responsible. And I look back on this day, uh, it you know punishment, but it was more of correction. My dad was teaching me something. Now there's a saying in, in pop culture that goes, give a man a fish and he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish and he eats for a life, for his life. I think Jesus is actually teaching us something along those lines. You see, he gives an imagery of work But I think it's because Jesus wants to give us a new way of processing life, a new way of processing the stress that we go through and the experiences that we go through. You see, when we talk about the salvation that comes from Jesus, what we mean is, yes, for eternity, but the salvation doesn't stop there. You see, when Jesus saves us, he begins to create in us a new life. Jesus wants to give you a new way of doing life. Jesus cares about our habits. He wants to change our habits. Jesus cares about generational trauma. He wants to give you a new way of processing your emotions, a way that gives your your children and your future a better life. You see, Jesus gives us a new yoke and tells us to learn from him. Jesus is in the new life business and he is offering you a new life today to take his yoke upon you, to learn from him, to experience the rest and the joy that comes from a life with him. Now, Jesus is probably the most understanding of the human condition and the human heart and what humans go through. And Jesus understands clearly, clearly, there are burdens and there are weights that we carry that keep us from living a life with him. And Jesus invites us to drop the weight, to drop the burdens. Now, here's why I want to spend the rest of our time in this, the rest of these three minutes. For many of us, we have this desire to be with Jesus. We have this desire to be in relationship and to live the new life. But because of the weight of our mistakes or the past or what's happened to us or our financial situation or whatever it may be, we don't step into that new life. Yet I want to remind us of the grace of God, the grace that covers all mistakes, the grace that is sufficient for every single day, a grace that is sufficient for the birds in the morning, a grace that is beckoning you and inviting you into a new life, into a life where you know that change is possible. I want to remind you of grace this morning, that the relationship we have with Jesus begins with what he did, It begins at the cross and his love and his mercy. And we have a chance to respond to that. But let's start with first knowing that Jesus loves us first, that we can be in relationship with him because of what he did for us. My hope and my prayer for you today is that you would step into that yoke today that you would drop the weight and understand what the cross represents it represents our redemption it represents second chance after second chance after second chance there's a new life for us today let's pray jesus thank you for this day lord thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace lord i know that there are some of us today who are carrying heavy burdens who don't feel as though they can be in relationship with you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that today we would be reminded of your goodness, your grace. I pray that we'd be reminded of the redemption that we see at the cross. May we have the courage to drop the weight, to drop the burdens, and to take on your yoke, Lord. We need to learn from you. We need to be taught by you, Jesus, because our way is not a good way. So, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your salvation. We invite you into our hearts. and We pray that you'd be with us. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship one more time.